forgot. So he's doing that right now. Um, <laughs> we're imperfect. We forget things. Um, so I have this uh, little streak in my life. I am a uh, kind of independent. I know Bryce is. I was, he was working on uh, their store next door. I was like, hey, Bryce, can I help you today? Need any help? No, I got it. I got it. And he, I mean, he was like lifting up uh, scaffolding by himself and all that. So we have this independent streak. I do too. And in my independent streak, though, that I have, I, honestly, it's not a bad thing because that leads us to kind of be a go-getter, uh, kind of I'm going to go out there and get things done in my life and around my life. That's a good thing. But when my independent streak is mixed with my brokenness as a person and who I am, the things in my life that are broken, when that independence meets my brokenness, uh, then I have a tendency to be isolated. Carrie and I were talking about something related to that. She's in with the kids just a moment ago. Um, that I have a tendency to be isolated and to push people away. That's my brokenness. So when my independence, which is good, meets my brokenness, then I have a tendency to be isolated. But that's not all. I, I'm also relatively a strong person. So I can have a strong personality, and I can, and that's not a bad thing either, because um, uh, having a, uh, having some strength in your uh, in your independence and your go gettedness, <laughs> that's not a bad thing because you get out there and you can get things done and do things. But here's the problem, though: when that strength in of mine meets my brokenness, which I have plenty of, that strength becomes stubbornness, which is not a great thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think when we talk about... Make sure your mic's on. It is on. Okay. Can y'all okay. hear me? Is he coming through? Okay, good. It's oh. my I have old ears. Oh, you're just sorry. trying to make me look bad the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just but wanted to it's make It's not hard sure. to do, but you don't, but you know. But okay, go ahead. I'm the, sorry. No, uh, what about, what were you saying? Uh, something about strength okay. and stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, I think... I, we can only speak from the male perspective of being stubborn yeah. and isolated. And unfortunately, I think we may suffer from that a little more on our side. You yeah. know. But I want to give a couple of scenarios to kind of lay the foundation for where we're going. Um, hopefully, you can identify with one of them. And the first one, I identify with 100% because this is a story about me. As he was saying, you know, I was over there working across the street. We worked on this building. I always have a project going somewhere. So I'm at Home Depot all the time. Let's say I need a, some, some kind of coupling at Home Depot. I'll go in Home Depot. I'll go to where I think it should be. And if it's not there, I will walk up and down every aisle in Home Depot two or three times uh -huh. looking for that. Yeah. I will pass everybody wearing an orange apron. I'll smile and say hi, but I'm not going to ask them where that what, coupling is. What if they say, can I help you? No. You, you, like, you I can't got help it. me. No, I got this. <laughs> so I, I will walk it. around forever looking for that uh -huh part I'm looking yeah. for. Unless Lisa's with me, usually she'll two ask. trips, no, usually two trips, and she'll go, shouldn't we ask somebody? And I'll be like, yeah, we probably should. And I'll get out of there about an hour quicker than I would have if I yeah. was by myself. Okay. Now, if I'm looking for a refrigerator, I ask for help because I can't buy, I mean, you can't get a refrigerator on your own, so I know to ask for help then. Now, I also know men are very stubborn when it comes to going to the doctor. That's pretty much across the board. Not me so much, but I can be. But the problem with that is, our health goes down. It can go down to the point to where we can't get back to yeah. full recovery. And even worse than that, 
we can die from it. Yeah. So our stubbornness and our isolation can be very, very detrimental. We may ask for help with the refrigerator, but we're not going to ask for help when it comes to our lives. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I do know some people who let people in their lives better, at least certainly better than I do. But then there are some people I know that kind of go to the extreme. And that, yes, they let people into their lives, kind of give them an up-close perspective, which is that's really a healthy thing for someone else to have their eyes on our lives and in our lives that we allow. But I know some other people who kind of take it to the extreme. And they don't just want someone who has their eyes you know, on and around their life, but some people are actually looking for people to get involved for this purpose because they kind of want someone just to kind of wallow in the mess with them. <laughs> they just want someone there, just get up in that mire and just wallow with me and wail with me. Not to challenge them to get better, not to challenge them to, hey, let's grow on through this. You can do better. Let's get through this. No, no, they don't want that. Some people just simply allow people in so they can just kind of wallow and wail. Yeah, and in this series, we're talking about people that we must twist into our lives. It's the people that we are looking for a relationship with on purpose. We're seeking these people out to have relationships with us so that we can twist them in their lives to, to be beside us. We're going to look at some ancient wisdom. We're going to go back to the Old Covenant, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 10, and then verse 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Right, and that's where we really get the name for this series, Twisted, because we're talking about that very thing, kind of twisting other lives in with our life. And we believe that we are stronger, as Bryce just read, stronger together, and that's by God's design. That's his design for this whole thing. And so this week we're saying this, we need another specific voice in our lives. We talked about one last week and we're saying we need another voice, an additional voice that we've twisted into our lives. And it's the voice of a sincere, honest friend. That's what we're talking about. A friend that can give us encouragement that we need. A friend that can give us and help with motivation in our life when we need it. And a friend who will address our life really with, with honesty. Yeah, and we're going to look at a New Covenant example of that today, and we're going to look at how we need a Joseph. Now, this Joseph is also known as Barnabas, not Barabbas. I get <laughs> completely different people, but I get the names mixed up sometimes. So if I say Barabbas, I mean Barnabas. We don't need a Barabbas in our lives. No. That's a whole other series. That's a whole other series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, this idea of being twisted up with somebody who can encourage us, that's where we're going with this. And we're going to look at Acts 4.32 and see how he got his name changed. And one note I want to say, I think Barnabas is probably one of the most underrated and unappreciated individuals yeah. in the Bible uh -huh. because he did so much, and we don't ever talk about him, but he's so yeah. influential on the early church. Yeah, he really is, and I'm hoping, really, one of my hopes is you're, you're going to see that um, through the course of today's discussion. Yeah, and see why he is under, why. yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to look at Acts 4.32 and see how he got his name changed. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Now go to uh, verse 36. 
For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So last week we talked about how we need the voice of a coach in our lives. We looked at the relationship of Paul and Timothy, and Paul was Timothy's coach. This week we need another voice in our lives. We need an honest friend who can encourage us, an honest friend who's going to be real with us. They're going to be honest. They're going to tell us what we need to hear. And we have a picture of Paul needing that voice this week, and that voice comes from Barnabas. Yeah. So Barnabas, not Barabbas. I'm afraid (laughs) I'm going to say that now. So um, Barnabas is that guy. And let's... We're going to, today, really, we're going to kind of survey, go through several little snapshots of Scripture that involve Barnabas and his involvement with Paul, okay? So we're going to kind of give you a survey, really, all through uh, those snapshots out of the book of Acts. So let me pick up with Acts chapter 9, verse 26. It says, when Saul, let me pause there, Saul is the same person as Paul. Um, his name was not changed. He actually had two names. He was known as Saul. He was also known as Paul. So you'll hear us interchanging those names. Uh, so when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he, uh, now let me, side note, he has just become a follower of Jesus. All right. So he's a brand new Christ follower. He arrives Uh, in Jerusalem, and here's what happens. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. And here's the problem. Nobody trusted Paul, this guy named Saul. Nobody trusted him. Everybody knew about Paul's past. They all knew because Paul really was a professional Christian persecutor or at sometimes killer and sometimes torturer and so they knew about Paul the believers did not trust they thought he was just going incognito you know and just coming under the radar so he could get to more Christ followers everyone knew Paul's past and because of that absolutely nobody trusted him so he's having trouble a new believer having trouble connecting with other believers because nobody trusts him. Verse 27. Then Barnabas brought him, so here we go, Barnabas, brought him to the apostles and told them. So Barnabas takes him to kind of the guys who had influence among all the believers. Took him to, he took Saul to the apostles and he told them how Saul had seen the Lord. In other words, literally, he saw Jesus After the resurrection, Jesus approached him. Uh, Paul saw the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord, speaking of Jesus, had spoken to Paul. And he also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Barnabas is saying, look guys, this is real. This is the real deal. Verse 28. So Saul stayed with the apostles And it says, and he went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And so here we find out now. We're going to be talking about what a real encourager is. And in this scenario, Barnabas being the encourager, Barnabas, the encourager, a real encourager, is going to trust you. That's an amazing statement in and of itself that 
Barnabas takes this risk on Paul. So a real encourager is going to trust you. He's going to take a risk on you. And he's not pushed away by anything that you have to lag around or you are lagging around from your past. A past reputation, past struggles, past problems. A real encourager trusts you takes a risk on you, and is not pushed away by your past. Yeah, and this is the kind of person we need to twist our lives together with because this, this is the person we can open up, we can be honest with them because they're not going to use our past against us. Because so often people get into your life and learn your business, and they use that past to beat you down and manipulate you, and that's not what an encourager or does. Or share with somebody else. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, prayer request. You know, yeah, a good prayer request. Go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard that happen. Have you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not sure why we said that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they believe that God is big enough to make a change in you. Yeah. They believe that God is big enough to overcome that past and actually use it for his glory and make a change in you. So here's our bottom line for today. A real encourager isn't a yes man. They tell me what I need to hear when I need to hear it. In this case, Barnabas, he sees the future for Paul. He sees what Paul is capable of. And instead of letting his past scare him away or using his past against him, he actually steps out towards Paul and encourages him to go after his future. And here we're going to see the results of that in Acts 9, 28 through 30. So Saul, or Paul, stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. More boldness means more persecution. So he debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. Yeah, so now Paul is in Tarsus, hometown, and apparently he's there for about 10 years. So we don't hear from Paul for about 10 years. He is in his hometown, and, you know, he had been with the apostles, so he has been training, he's been studying, um, and all that time while he's in his hometown, he has still been uh, using the word here from the New Covenant, kind of preaching this good news that he experienced in his own life. Um, and he's seen people begin to follow Jesus. So 10 years, Paul's kind of off the radar, studying, learning, growing, and still teaching and preaching. And all that time, not just where Paul is, but in other towns, um, this new church that Jesus has started when he left has been growing. And people have been following Jesus, and the church is growing and expanding. And especially in this one little town called Antioch. And Antioch, for some reason, it was growing even faster, uh, very quickly. And so word gets back of what's happening in this town called Antioch. And that's where we pick up in Scripture again. Now we're in Acts chapter 11, verse 22. When the church in Jerusalem, and that's kind of how they did it. Everyone in the town, they all kind of gathered around one church. When the church in Jerusalem heard what had happened, and I, I think in today's vernacular we say, what had happened was they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So here they say, okay, Barnabas, go check out. See, what things, see what's going on because we've heard great things. They send Barnabas, verse 23. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And here's what he did, because Barnabas, that's what he does. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. That's just Barnabas, the encourager. That's what he's going to do. Wherever he is, he's going to encourage. 
Because that's what encouragers do. Yeah, and Barnabas, he was a strong, independent, very capable man. But don't take our word for it. We can go here to the New yeah. Covenant in Acts chapter 11, verse 24. It says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. And that's what happened. Encouragers, that's what's going to happen. That's going to be a byproduct of it. He was strong, not stubborn, independent, not isolated. He didn't try to do it all alone by himself. I'm, I'm very bad about that. As he said earlier, he's calling me to help, and I'm over there struggling with walls by myself. I don't need any help. But an I'm a great encourager, by the way. That's my gift. But, but encourager. <laughs> nah. And just in case you didn't know. <laughs> also, sarca actually, sarcasm is one of my gifts. Actually, though, you do encourage me. So... Maybe you, it it's is. selective encouraging. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> but he, he's, he's a very good encourager because he doesn't do things by himself. He draws people in to help him. He sees their strengths. He draws them in so that they can grow in their strength and become who he can see them to be like he did with Paul. Yeah. So Barnabas uses these opportunities to get other people deeper involved. Yeah. So Barnabas remembers this guy. Ten years ago, that he ran across, this guy named Saul, and he had encouraged Saul. He comes to his mind, and here's what happens in verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. So Barnabas actually goes after him. He has a task. He says, I need to go find Saul. When he found him, verse 26, he brought him back to Antioch. And so this is Paul taking Barnabas. I'm sorry. This is Barnabas mm. taking Paul. And he's actually now setting him up in ministry in this town called Antioch. Both of them stayed there. So he doesn't just set him up. He stays there with Paul. Both of them stay there with the church for a full year and they're teaching to large, large crowds of people. And so as this is happening, as we kind of talked about last week, this coaching, mentoring, that's some of that's going on. But, but Barnabas's real strength is encouragement. And so he's spending that time, yes, training, but really encouraging these gifts, these things in Paul's life that God has placed there. And then it says... We're not going to get to break this down. I wish we had time. We don't. But it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. The only thing I'm going to say about that is uh, it was not uh, a positive term. It was a derogatory term. And so and it was not, it was describing behaviors, not a person, not a label they were putting on. So Barnabas is there with Paul, encouraging Paul, and they're working together for a full year. So let's go back to that bottom line. A real encourager isn't a yes man. In other words, they don't just encourage because they just want to encourage. So they don't encourage the wrong things. They don't encourage if something's going wrong. They don't say, oh, yeah, it's, you're doing great. <laughs> no, they're not a yes man. They tell me what I need to hear when I need to hear it. So that's important. So here we go. This is going to be on the screen for you. Chris will have it there. And so and for Barnabas, instead of white-knuckling and being stubborn and trying to do it all himself, instead of white-knuckling it and doing it all on his own, this is what happens. He thinks, who needs to be here with me? 
in this process. And that's what he does. So he says, all right, Paul, come on over. I'm going to go get you. Let's go. Let's go back. Uh, we got to get back over there to Antioch. We have some work to do. And as they were doing that, they did have success. And in fact, as the New Covenant describes it, it's pretty great success. Yeah, and then right in the middle of all that success, as God often does, he calls them to do something else. We're going to see that in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Then we're going to go to chapter 13, 2 through 3. 25 says, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Then we go to chapter 13. On, here in chapter 13, the leaders of the church are all together. And it says, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So God called them while they were already serving, not while they were just sitting waiting around. And I think that is so important. He called them while they're already serving. They're not just sitting around waiting on God to call them. He doesn't wait on us. I mean, he doesn't want us sitting around waiting on him. That's not how it works. And honestly, I don't think a Barnabas is going to invest in somebody that's sitting around waiting. A good encourager is looking for people who are already serving. God wants us to be busy without significant titles and busy without recognition. Yeah, that's, that's pretty important. So in other words, he wants us to be like Barnabas because that's who Barnabas was. Uh, Chris is going to put this on the screen for you. This is how Barnabas was. So we want to do that. Wherever we are, whatever place that is, that's the most important assignment to be busy right there. And whoever we're talking to, that is the most important person right there in that moment. And that's what Barnabas did. And so just an encouragement to us, when you see someone like that who exhibits those two traits, I would encourage you to join them. Just be a part of what they're doing and where they're doing it. Try to serve with them. Try to be around them. Anytime the opportunity comes up, try to be around that person. And I believe that if you do that, if you seek that person out, then I believe God is going to use that Barnabas to draw some great things out of your life. Just think about this. Where would Paul have been had Barnabas not made room for him in his life, not been a part of twisting their lives together? Where would Paul have been? And I would say this, just speculating, I think the new covenant would look very, very, very different had that not happened. Yeah, and the more success they have, the more opposition arises. But Barnabas, he stays close to Paul. He doesn't doesn't leave him. He doesn't run away when things get tough. He stays and he keeps encouraging Paul to do what he does and be what he can be. Our bottom line again, a real encourager isn't a yes man. They tell me what I need to hear when I need to hear it. And in this case, Barnabas encourages Paul to do the right thing when it would have been much easier to do the wrong thing. And to set this up, Paul and Barnabas, with God's leading, a miracle is performed. There was a group of people, I think they're in, I have it, they're in Lystra. Is that how you say yeah. that right? And a man is healed. And we're going to pick that up here in Acts 14, 11 through 12. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. So they were lifting them up to the status of gods. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes. So the town is getting ready to worship 
Paul and Barnabas. They're saying these guys are gods because of what happened. Yeah, in fact, I think they're getting ready to even go out and make some sacrifices. Oh, no. Yeah, it's... <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to happen today, but possibly <laughs> Harley and I may say something or do something so inspiring <laughs> that some of y'all want to make us into gods. I doubt it happens, doubt but it. it's possible. Yeah, I guess it could. And if it happened, I'm going to be honest with you. It would be really, really hard for me not to turn that into a side hustle. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure I could make some money off of it. I'm pretty sure we could at least get our yards mowed out of it or something. It'd be really, really hard. But honestly, it'd be hard not to fall into that trap when people raise you to that status. Well, yeah. I mean, th in that moment, for that town, they became superstars. Yes. In that moment. And that's, that's a really hard yeah. label not to take when somebody's offering it. But Paul and Barnabas, they're not going to let it happen. They say, stop. We only worship God. Yeah. So... One way that we can recognize a Barnabas in our life, Chris will have this on the screen, you can recognize a Barnabas in your life because he doesn't touch the glory. He doesn't grab after it. He doesn't go after the glory. He's not after that recognition. A Barnabas, a true Barnabas, he's not going to touch that glory. And here's an important thing. He's not going to let you touch it either. And that's what we saw happening right there. And so right after this town, this is so crazy. Right after this town tries to worship them, this immediately happens. They try to kill them. Huh, crazy. Uh, verse 19. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. So they had a plan here. And they, here's what they got them to do. They stoned Paul. So I don't know how they missed Barnabas. But they stoned Paul, and they dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. Yeah, we mentioned this last week. They, they thought they had crushed his skull, and he was dead because they were good at this. Yeah, this, this wasn't their first stoning. Yeah. They knew how to do it, yeah. so they left him there for dead. This wasn't, they did a bad job. Um, but who was still there with him? Yeah. Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas didn't leave his side, and we see that in verse 20. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. A real encourager doesn't bail when things get tough. Now, again, I'm going to be honest, maybe to a fault, but Harley, if you get drug out in the street <laughs> and stoned and they think you're dead and you show up to my house and say, hey, let's go walking through Malvern, I'm probably going to, probably going to say no. Yeah. We make a walk around the neighborhood together, but I'm not going, I mean, honestly, I'm not going in public with somebody that they just tried to kill. Yeah. But Barnabas, he stayed beside him. He did possibly to lose his own life. Mm -hmm. He stayed there because he knew his job was to encourage Paul. And in verse 21, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them. I mean, they, they kept encouraging people. Yeah. They just, people just try to take them out, and they're still encouraging to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, it, they kept encouraging and and here we're talking about basically Barnabas the encourager I'm sure Paul was too but he was encouraging them he saw what they needed to hear and he told them what they needed to hear and that's back to our bottom line again a real encourager isn't a yes man they tell me what I need to hear when I need to hear it that's what they do so in this situation uh, Barnabas didn't say, hey, listen, guys, I know, uh, you know, it was just a bad day. Um, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. That was just, that was a fluke. 
not going to happen again probably. It keeps following Jesus. Keep it up. It's going to be okay. Um, uh, up and to the right. You know, the cells are going to be good. We're gonna, <laughs> it's going to be okay. He, he, didn't, he wasn't just telling them what they wanted to hear, that it was going to be okay. In fact, that's not what they said at all. They said, listen, this is going to be hard. And not only that, but it's going to get harder. It's going to get more difficult. And, and people are probably going to die. Some of you, he's saying, some of you are probably going to die, but don't quit. Do not quit. So in times of testing like this, that encourager does not compromise. And when things are great and there's a lot of success, that encourager doesn't grab for the glory. They stay humble. They stay very humble. And so if we're around an encourager and we fall down and we fail somehow, if it's me, I know it's going to happen, that encourager helps to pick us up and they help dust us off and they send us right back out with truth. Wow. But not everybody handles the pressure so well. Right. Everybody's not a Barnabas. Because in the middle of this trip, John Mark bails on him. He's like, I'm out of here. This is not for me. Gosh, I, 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 can you, I, I almost no. can't blame him <laughs> no. because he just saw Paul stoned to death, but he didn't die. Yeah, I mean, that's, the, yeah. the marketing here is not great. No. Not a great marketing strategy. We're going to go to Acts 15, verse 36 through 39. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since Mark had deserted him. So Paul was like, no, we're not. He's bailed on us. We're not taking him with us. But Barnabas was like, no, he's going. So their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. This is what a real encourager does. He tells us the truth even when it's not what we want to hear. And the bottom line here again, a real encourager isn't a yes man. They tell me what I need to hear when I need to hear it. Now, I want to be honest here. I, I, well, I always try to be honest. I, I hate it when I it's say like that. It's like a car salesman. I know. I'm, I, I hate it when I say that. All of my study materials, my commentaries, my, my entire library, which is of, of this stuff, which is enormous. Nobody agrees with me on this, and I'm going to say it anyway. And I've told Bryce before, if you're the only person who thinks something, you're wrong. <laughs> so I may be completely wrong. But I, I know what I'm getting ready to say. I know they are speculating. They don't know what, what I'm getting ready to say. It's a speculation. We don't know. All of my commentaries have spun this to say this was the plan. They separate, they divide, and they conquer. Which they, they do. They do separate. And they do go on. And they both do great things. Barnabas does great things. Paul does great things. That is true. But what we have just seen in Scripture was a split. There's no way to make that look pretty. Barnabas was saying, here's where I stand. And this is the right thing to do. And Paul was being stubborn. I'm just going to say it. He was being stubborn. Barnabas came to Paul when Paul had no hope. 
No, there was no reason for anyone to believe Paul or to trust Paul. And Barnabas took a risk on Paul and went to him and said, hey, listen, come with me. We're, we're going we're to get this right. I'm going to help you. We're going to get it right. Barnabas took a risk on Paul. Barnabas was ready when Paul needed it to step toward Paul. But this was the very thing that Paul was now unwilling. Did did John Mark fail? Yeah, he did. He bailed on him. He failed. And Paul, in this moment, was unwilling to take a risk on John Mark. And I love the fact, even if we try to sugarcoat this, I love the fact that the new covenant does not try to create heroes it just tells us what happened and what happened was Barnabas was moving in the direction of grace and mercy as an encourager towards someone and Paul got stubborn and said uh uh no now did God take that and still use it and do some great things absolutely God did God did amazing things out of something that was a relational blunder God did amazing things but Barnabas remained the encourager he remained the encourager and he was trying to move towards somebody here Paul just wouldn't listen but Barnabas wasn't a yes man he wasn't like okay well yeah you're right let's just go or I'll go ahead we can just agree to disagree let's go and and I'm not saying we shouldn't agree to disagree at times we should but Barnabas was not a yes man here Barnabas, he didn't cave in. He remained a God-driven encourager. And so this, Chris will put this on the screen. Barnabas was an encourager. And encouragers step toward hurting people. And they take a risk on them. That's what they do. Now this was such a big deal that as far as we know, as far as we know, Barnabas and Paul, when they separate in this moment, they don't join up again and go plant churches together again. As far as we know, that didn't happen. We don't have a record of that. No, but at some point, right before Paul dies. This is an important note here. This is, this is, I love this, yeah. this little section here. Not long before he dies, we see the lasting impact that Barnabas had on his life. It was not, yeah. done, it was not done in vain. No, no. We're going to look at 2 Timothy uh, 4.11. And it says, only Luke is with me. Now, this is Paul. He's writing a letter to Timothy, which we saw last week. That's who who he coached. Mm -hmm. Paul's in prison, and he knows knows this is it. He knows he's about to to be, we might as well say murdered. He's being murdered for his faith, and he knows it's coming. So he says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. And I think we can miss this if we don't go past the surface of this scripture. Paul is writing a letter to the guy he coached. He's asking to send the man that his encourager, Barnabas, coached and encouraged. And to me, that is so big because we see what happens when we twist our lives with people who God has placed there, who can encourage us, who can coach us. We see that we become part of this big family who is going to be there when things are great and when things are bad, and who are going to be honest with us. We see that that playing out right here before us. Who does Paul want near him during his death? The same guy he didn't want near him 
going on a missionary yeah. trip. Yeah. Now he wants him there near his death. He wants that young man that was discipled by Barnabas near him. He wants Mark by his side. And Mark is the same Mark that wrote the gospel. Yeah, the gospel of Mark. So someone who wasn't worth Paul's effort at one point, according to Paul, God actually chose to use that person that Paul rejected. God chose to use them to write scripture. Wow. And now Paul is recognizing at the end of his life, somewhere in there, he recognized that God used his encourager, Barnabas, in the life of John Mark the very same way that he used Barnabas in his own life. So we're going to bring this to a quick landing right here. What does that mean for us today? All of this that we've talked about and the scripture we've looked at, what does that mean for us today? And here's what we would like to ask you to do. Consider this as a, for a next step this week. We want you to look for one. Just look for an encourager. And I want to be very specific here when I say that. We don't want you just to look for a yes man. Someone who's always, you know, they're always on your side. They're always, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for someone who is following Jesus more than they're following themselves. They're following Jesus and someone who you see in their life, you see them as an encourager as you listen to them, as you watch them. And we're just going to ask you, will you make a list? Just write down some names. And if you're new, as we all really are new to the church in Malvern, you may not even know their names yet. So we know this may take some time. And being in a small group will be a big step towards helping you do this. But make a list of people. Make a list of people as you're meeting them and watching them and you see what, you know, how they interact with other people. You see if they're following Jesus. Make a list of people who you see as an encourager. It may be a short list. You may have other contacts at other churches. That, so your list may be really big. It's possible. But just make a list, no matter how big or small, and begin saying to yourself, I believe that I might have the potential to twist my life together with this person. They could become an encourager in my life, and that could happen. And so that's the first part of this. But here's the second part. The second part of our, our next step says this, don't wait. Don't wait for an encourager. You become one. You become an encourager. And you might say, I, I haven't been following Jesus that long. Or, or maybe I became a follower of Jesus, but I really haven't been following very well. And I'm just now really getting back into it and in that process of following. That doesn't matter. The encouragement side, th there's no uh, length of time required at this point to become an encourager. And so don't wait on an encourager. If you make a list and you have no one on it yet because you really don't know that person, that's okay. I, I want you, you can still take a step. You can become an encourager in the lives around you. You can be that. You can be that. We have a tendency if we were to make that list and say, oh, I know I need that relationship and I don't have it. And we have a tendency to look and say, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Because I don't have the relationships in my life that I want. And that's another thing that this series is, is about, all these relationships. I don't have it. 
And we have a tendency sometimes to say, woe is me. Poor me. But I want to encourage you to flip the script. I, I want to encourage you to, for you to become that person. You become that encourager. And instead of focusing on the ways that you are not being encouraged, maybe flip that script and you focus on ways that you can encourage the people you come into contact with. Not as a yes man. Just as, gen as uh, just genuine, genuine encouragement. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we hope you'll do. Don't wait. Yes, look for one. But don't wait. You become one. Now, we're getting ready to worship together one last time before I close this in, in our ending prayer. But before we do that, let's just kind of seal this teaching time in our hearts in tight as we talk to God, our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. God, you told us. You told us that two are better than one. And that with two, if we will twist our lives together, that God, we will have better success in life. That when we fall, we won't fall alone. That when we struggle, we won't struggle alone. And God, I just pray that you would help us to move in that direction. I pray that you would help us to not only look for an encourager in our lives, but you would help us to become that very encouragement that the lives around us need. And we ask all of these things, Father, in the name of Jesus. If whatever we have prayed is in accordance with your will and your plan, we ask that you would make it so. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.